Bryce Dooley, thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it a lot. No problem. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So, Bryce, you're an interesting and impressive individual. First off, you're my age, you're 23, you were a great athlete at Leroy High School and earned a reputation for being one of the quickest white kids in the area in multiple sports, and you even continued playing football at Wesleyan University. And However, most of your talent lies not in athletics, but in your financial management skills. You've proven yourself to have a gift for knowing where and how to invest and manage your money. So much so, in fact, that you now are an investment advisor at BD Capital Investment Management. I'm assuming that BD stands for Bryce Dooley, that's you, and that this is your very own operation. Am I correct in that? That is correct, yeah. All right, that's pretty awesome. So how's that going for you? Like, can you, can you give me any numbers or anything? Yep. So it's going well. Um, So in terms of how the industry measures it when you're doing asset management, uh, it's measured in assets because most people get paid off of assets, which is like, you know, stocks, investment accounts, retirement accounts. Um, So I'm a little bit over 2 million for assets right now. Sounds like a lot, but in industry terms, that's pretty small. You know, I've been doing this for about two or three years for people. So I'm still very small industry terms, but I was at less than half of that a year ago and, you know, a third less than that a few months ago. So it grows pretty quickly. Really need to get that number to four to where four or five million to where, you know, it's a real deal, full-time operation. I need to spend all of my time on it, but yeah, so getting there, only been doing it for a year or two and I've got about 30 35 or so clients now, a lot of friends and family from Leroy, people I grew up with, their family members, just conversations I've had along the way. I haven't done a lot of marketing. I'm starting to get to that point now where I've Mm -hmm. built a little bit of a track record, can start to put myself out there a little bit more. But yeah, a lot of it has just been built with people I know, friends and family to this point, and it's going well so far. Hmm. So is this like your own operation? Because if I understand correctly, you don't like work for work for a firm or anything, do you? Is this like an entrepreneurial business venture? Yep. So I'm pretty much a sole proprietor, self-employed. I had to get licensed and registered through the state of Illinois before I can actually get paid by people to manage money. You're allowed to have like five clients before you get registered until someone might say something and you could get in trouble. So I'm registered with the state of Illinois as a independent registered investment advisor is what it's titled as. Got so it. yeah, doing it on my own. I had times where I, you know, thought about working with a firm. I had already had some clients with me at that point. So I could have brought them to the firm with me and, you know, got a regular paycheck salary, that kind of stuff. Um, but I got kind of turned away from that. Uh, one conversation I had with a guy, um, you know, he told me, you can't make money working with people that don't have money. And that's never really been where I found passion in it. You know, I find a lot of fulfillment helping young people that really have no guidance what to do with their money, get started, get on a plan. You know, if you have student debt, which parts of that student debt do you need to pay down? When should you pay it down? You know, should you start building assets like a retirement account, that kind of thing? When do you do all that stuff? So when I was looking at going to work for 
a company and I can't, I'm not going to say the firm name, but I really got pushed away, pushed away by them just from that one perspective of, you know, we don't work with people that don't have money because you can't make money. I understand that perspective, but I don't really disagree with it because, you know, if you form a relationship with someone when they're 22, 23, and you do good for them, get them on the right path, get them growing towards their retirement, which is, you know, 30, 40 years down the road for most people, you know, that could be a very profitable relationship for both parties. If you do a good job for them, I can definitely find a way to make money with them by helping them make money along the way. So I didn't like the perspective of, you know, we only work with older people that already have money, you know, maybe they already have 500,000 or a million dollars retirement and they're 50 years old. Mm-hmm. The firm, the company was pretty much saying, you know, that's who we want to work with. We don't want to work with young people. And I like working with young people. I've got a good mix of older people that do have money, but I have a lot of young people that have under $10,000. We're just trying to get retirement accounts started, pay off some debt and get growing on that path because it can really grow over time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of why I went the independent route on my own. I like doing things my own way because I'm willing to work with anybody, even if they've got a hundred bucks. I like that. That's pretty cool. And before we go on, I kind of want to backtrack just a little bit because you're a registered investment advisor, but you don't just advise. People give you their money and you take it, you do something with it, and then you give them back more money than they initially gave you in the first place. At least that's my understanding of all this. But you tell me in your words, what is it exactly that you do for your clients? We'll just use an example of somebody that, say, just graduated. They're going to start a new job. They're making a lot of money. Then from their perspective, it's a lot more money than they've ever made, and they don't know what to do with it all. Mm-hmm. So first, what we do is you know, we set up an account. For someone that age, it's probably going to be a Roth IRA. That's a, a retirement account that is tax-free. The government encourages people to save and invest for retirement so they don't tax you on that account. Mm-hmm. So they will put money into a Roth IRA and it could be any amount, but the max contribution for any year is $6,000. So say someone put $6,000 in their first year when they're 23 years old, they're making money for the first time, they're starting to build their assets for retirement. So that money will go into the account. It's the client's account. It's all their money. I don't have authorization to do anything with it or spend it or take it out. That's all up to them. What all I do is I choose where the money is invested. I do. I spend a lot of my time doing research on companies, just trying to understand businesses and the direction of certain investments and trends in the economy, that kind of stuff. A lot of time just researching and understanding businesses. And that's how I kind of form conclusions on, you know, where do we want to invest our money? For example, something like Apple stock. Everybody knows Apple's a great company. Mm -hmm. Tons of people have iPhones. It's a growing business. Uh, The whole world is moving digital and the whole, a lot of e-commerce is done on mobile phones now. So that's just a broad, simple example. Something like Apple stock, something I've done a lot of research on. Feel like I understand that business pretty well. And that's an example of what I might put a client's money into is mm-hmm. Apple stock, something like that. That's going to grow over the long term, help people reach retirement by building assets that grow. 
like you said, your clients are, they vary in age, presumably, they probably have different goals. When I think of someone who's planning for retirement, I think of a financial planner, you're a financial yeah. advisor. Do some people yeah. ask you like, hey, help me to make money in 20 years type of thing? And do some people want you to help them make money quick? And are you investing yeah. their money? Is your primary function to take their money and invest it in the stock market? Or are there other things that you invest in? So as of now, and I probably expect that this to continue, I only do stocks in the stock market. Um, so I really, if someone came to me and said, I want to um, make some money right now, or I want you to tell me I can make X amount or X percentage return between now and six months from now, I would probably tell that I'd probably turn them away and say, I can't do that for you. I think that's really hard to do. So I completely focus on, you know, minimum five years down the road, preferably 10 to 20 or longer, really a retirement focused long-term growth strategy. Other than that, I really would probably tell someone I'm not fit for them to make quick money. It's not yeah. really my goal. It seems like the long-term game, playing the long-term game is pretty much the right idea in any facet of life. I mean, rarely yeah, ever I'm, are you going to get immediate returns with anything. And that's the right. case in, in investing as well. I remember yeah, Warren, a, oh, go ahead. I've got a good stat for you on that. Let's hear um, over every 20 year span in past history, the stock market has never had a negative return. So no one's ever lost money investing over the stock market as long as they stuck with it for a 20 year period. So it's when you're looking long term, it's almost a guarantee that you will make money in the stock market, but you've got to ride it out pretty much and stick mm -hmm. with it. Well, you say make money in the stock market. It depends on what you invest in, right? It does. Yep. There's ways you can invest to where you just get broad, diversified exposure to the entire market. And that kind of gets a little more complicated. You have to delve into some things, but there are ways that you can just set yourself up to be exposed to everything. So, you know, there's going to be winners. There's going to be losers along the way in the stock market. Some companies do great. Some will go bankrupt, but you can invest in ways to get exposed to all of it. So you'll catch some of the apples, the Amazons, you'll get the upside from those, and then you'll get some losers. But in the end, the net result is going to be positive over long periods of time. Walk me through what that experience is like for a client that comes to you and says, I don't know what to do with my money. All I know is I want to make a little more of it and I'm not very good with it. Maybe I don't have time. You're the guy with the brains. What happens the moment I call you up and you say, okay, I can help you? Yep. So first thing I like to look at for someone, I give them a budget that says, this is what I'm bringing in each month after tax. And this is what I can make just from side gigs, any other side income I can pull in. So we identify like, what is your income each month? And then you go through all your expenses and you try to say, you know, over the course of the year, how much am I spending on my housing, my groceries, my entertainment, fun, going out, getting drinks, all that stuff. You're trying to identify everywhere your money's going so that there's no slippage in there where at the end of the month, you're like, you know, I feel like I made a decent amount of money, but where did it all go? You know, I, I'm, I can't, I can't hold on to any of it. The idea is you need to work hard, earn money any way you can, but you also have to have some frugality in saying, you know, maybe I need to hold back a little bit in this area. I'm going overboard. 
say, you know, if you buy a new car, you've got, and you have to finance that, you've got big monthly payments. Maybe instead of doing that, you look at buying a three-year-old used car, saves you a lot of money month to month on payments. And now you're keeping some more of your dollars at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. And then you can invest that money. That's going to make you more money long-term because, you know, when you're building assets, that money is kind of working for you. Mm-hmm. Um, those assets earn money and they grow over time without you having to really do anything. So that's where we start is just kind of looking at your financial picture, where your money's going, and can you hold on to any of it at the end of the month to be able to invest that. So once we identify that, then we start looking at, you know, if you just graduated, do you have student debt and what's what are the interest rates on that debt? Because, you know, if you've got higher interest rates on your student debt, that's probably your first priority to get rid of that because it's costing you a lot of money. So then once we identify the debt issue, that's usually the first thing you want to take care of. Then you can look at, okay, do I have some money left over to start building these retirement assets when I'm 22? Because, you know, with compound interest, a lot of people say that um, it's all about starting young and starting early, because if you give your money 20 to 30 to 40 years to grow steadily at solid long-term growth returns, the stock market you know, usually averages eight to 10% return per year. And if you stack that up year after year after year over time, your growth and your interest is growing on top of itself year after year. So over the long term, it just adds up to a ton of money. So the, the goal really is to try to help people understand, you know, what building assets at this age can do for them long term and how it can help them reach retirement at maybe even possibly an early age if they start young enough Mm -hmm. and just helping them grasp that idea because not a lot of people, I don't think at least that I talk to or have conversations with even really believe that there's an opportunity for them with the right mindset, understanding and plan of action to retire on time or early, even though, you know, it's very possible. And I've got a good example of a kid that I work with He, right now he's 21. I can't give names and stuff because of confidentiality and all that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, he had to pay his entire way through school. He just graduated from ISU, Illinois State. And he had to pay all his bills through school, housing. He didn't live at home. He lived at an apartment, all that. And really didn't get a lot of help from his parents, not for day-to-day stuff, not for school. And didn't have any money either saved up before that. He just graduated. We've got him with $20,000 in a Roth IRA started, and now he's working on paying off some student debt as well. He's got good interest rates on his debt, so it's not first priority to pay that off. But that's just a great example of someone I think that, you know, they started with pretty much the same thing that any average person would start with. Mm -hmm. Didn't get a lot of help from anybody, worked their way through school, had jobs the whole way paying for their own school, paying their own bills. And he's graduating college with $20,000 of retirement assets already. And we've already got a financial plan and a budget laid out for him to start paying off student debt. Mm -hmm. So it's examples like that. That's kind of like why I'm doing it. I think that's just, it's, I get a lot of fulfillment getting people on that path because I know where he's going to end up is going to be miles difference from where he would have if he was just going through it blind. Mm -hmm. 
playing the long game, doing the right things now, even though they might kind of be inconvenient to you, to really reap the rewards later on. I like that. It's a sound philosophy of life and for finances, for that matter. So you obviously know your stuff when it comes to finances. I'm a novice. I mean, and that's stretching it when it comes to finances. I read a book by Dave Ramsey called The Total Money Makeover. And that's pretty much the extent of my knowledge when it comes to this type of stuff. So it sounds like you also help people to manage their money. You said that they come to you, they talk about where all their money goes during a month or year, how much money they bring in, all that good stuff. What do you think the main money sucker is or the main money suckers are for people our age and just people in general? Where's their money? Like It's like there's a hole in the ship. Where is the water coming in at? Well, there's... There's the common joke that gets thrown around is the four or $5 Starbucks coffee every morning. Oh, I hear that um, crap all that, the time. And, but that just gets old for people to hear. So I don't really <laughs> harp on that much, but I think kind of like avoiding the, there's some big money mistakes, I think in your twenties that can set you back a lot that avoiding those mistakes is key. Something like, like I already mentioned, new cars, you know, when yeah. you buy a new car, you know, it's going to lose i don't know a third of its value in the first year after you drive it off the lot it's like the most quickly depreciating asset isn't it yep yep so when you're talking assets and you're trying to build your assets that will grow you towards retirement that's about the worst one that you could bryce real quick what is an asset for dumb dumbs like me spell it clearly what's a what's an asset so an asset really is anything that hold has a value you know you could sell it, buy it from someone else. The value, you know, is determined in different ways by different people. Uh, a new car, the value of that is it, it looks nice. You can drive it around, that kind of thing. That's an asset because people like new cars that look nice that you can drive around. But on the other spectrum, there are assets that actually earn money for you. That's unlike a new car asset like a stock. When you own a stock, Mm. you actually own a piece of a company. If you own a share of Apple stock, you actually share in the profits that Apple makes when they sell iPhones, when they sell iPads. A share actually gives you legal entitlement to owning a share of Apple, a a part of Apple's business. So comparing a new car with Apple stock, a new car doesn't make you any money. You just enjoy it. It's an asset and it's worth something. Apple stock actually earns you money because you are an owner of Apple. They make money and their business is probably going to grow over time. So that asset will probably appreciate in value and make you money gradually. Whereas the new car is probably going to be worth 50% less than you bought it in a few years. Yeah. So it sounds like an asset is just something that you own that has value, whether or not that value is going up over time or down over time depends on the thing it is that you own. Is that fair to say? Exactly. Yep. That's fair to say. And cash is an asset too. That's probably the most steady asset you could own. It's not going to lose its value much, you know, over time. You say that right now, but. I know I I wasn't going to go there because (laughs) then we're kind of getting off topic, but yeah. Mm A lot of people understand inflation and what it does to cash. So cash is a pretty steady asset, but it's also not a guarantee over time. Yeah. And I'm glad you said some about cash because eventually we will talk about some cash alternatives here in a second. But before we do that, 
I'd like to stay, take another step back and talk about you, Bryce Dooley, for a second. I've yeah. spoken to many of your friends and my friends over the last few years and even did some small-scale business with you myself when you let yeah. me put some of my smoothies in your vending machines that you owned. Thanks for that, mm -hmm. by the way. That was fun. No problem. That was awesome. <laughs> but the general consensus about you is that you're a humble, nice, but relatively serious man who is extremely smart and gives very accurate takes on the stock market on Twitter. I was looking at your Twitter feed and I was amazed. I'm like, what? You must actually enjoy this stuff. But uh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of a kind of a finance nerd, to be honest. I love it, dude. That means you're interested in it. And it's like, I would much rather go to a financial advisor who enjoys financial advising rather than going to someone that just hates what they're doing. Like you're passionate about it. And that's obvious. Right. And so, I mean, is that basically you in a nutshell? Also, uh, Brock Honiger, a friend of mine, also said to mention that you, one thing you suck at though is fantasy football. But anyways, oh, I, I won my league last year, so I don't know what he's talking about, dude. He I should have. Too, I, think. <laughs> I don't know why he said that. Then that makes no sense. He's I should probably just messing with me. That's funny. <laughs> anyways, would you say that that's basically you in a nutshell? You're interested in the stock market. You're a smart guy. You're humble, uh, maybe even a little quiet, but serious guy who's trustworthy, all that stuff. Is that basically you? And if it's if there's more to add there, what would you add? Uh, probably. And yeah, that's probably a reason that I haven't done a lot of marketing yet because, you know, I don't want to try to sell people something that, you know, I can't really prove yet. I've got a, a three-year track work record working with other people's money and it's good so far, but you know, you really need several years to show people I've been doing this and I'm doing a good job. So maybe that's where the humble attitude comes from because mm -hmm. I'm not going to blow smoke on anybody and say, you know, I'm going to make you a lot of money in the next three years. I'm just mm -hmm. going to tell them I'm going to do my best. I've done fairly well the past few years. And if you're patient and this is a good partnership, I think it'll work well. But other than that, I don't really try to sell people on much. So I kind of, I'd rather let the results speak for themselves and not, not talk about it. I'm just going to show people what I'm going to do. Um, and yeah, I take, I take it very seriously. I've been super interested and passionate about it since my senior year of high school, actually. So five, six years now, actually studying it and probably took it too serious in college a little bit, to be honest, but I don't, I just didn't have maybe as much fun as everybody else. Cause I was so focused on it, but mm. I don't think I regret that now looking at where I am today, because there's probably zero chance I could be set up where I am now if I didn't take three, four years in college to study, prepare. And I even started getting clients by my junior year that were coming to me and saying, I've got a little bit of money. Can you help me with it and do what you're doing with your money? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I wasn't doing it, then I'd be probably starting from zero right now, whereas I've already kind of got some things set up. Yeah. So that's probably... So yeah, they're probably right that I take it seriously, maybe too seriously at some points. Mm -hmm. Do you invest your client's money much like how you invest your own money? Exact same way. And I, that's one of the first things I tell everybody. I want our incentives to be aligned. If I do a bad job for you, you lose some money on something, you can know that 
the same thing happened to me and I probably lost some money too. I don't, I don't have one client along the way out of 30 or I don't know the exact number. You have over 30 clients. Yeah. It's probably closer to 35 now. Holy smokes, man. Not a single one of them. I don't think I've ever invested a dime of their money into anything that I wasn't already invested in, or I was buying it at the same time I bought it for them. So it's all, we're all on the same train. And that's how I try to get people to trust me a little bit because I can't show you this great track record. I can show you a few years of what I've done, mm-hmm. but you can trust that whatever I do for you, the same result is going to come to me because I've built up over my savings through college and working on it a decent amount of money. And I'm running it the exact same way I'd run it for you or people I've been running for three years already. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's how you get gain someone's trust. One Oh one is you, you walk the walk and you, talk the talk, you know, you don't make people right, do yeah. things that you yourself wouldn't do. That's just nonsense. Exactly. That, I got to eat my own cooking. That's how I see. Yeah, it. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. So when did you first become interested in money management? You said you kind of got interested your senior year, but was there a time when you were introduced into this world before that even? Um, not really. I didn't really think or spend any time on it up until my brother and my friend kind of like got an idea for it my senior year of high school when we were kind of talking a little bit about, you know, we need to open our eyes a bit to this financial space of building assets for the long term. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, you're just going to be working your whole life. And if it's something you like to do, there's nothing wrong with working your whole life. But there's also something to be said about having financial security financial independence to where you don't have to make every decision in your life based around, do I have the money to do that? If it's something you want to do or love to do, you should be able to do that if you put yourself in that position. So senior year of high school, my brother and one of my good friends are talking and we are like, you know, maybe we should just start our own little investment group and try to learn about this stuff. So we actually put a shoebox together and said, Every dollar bill, every quarter, dime, penny that we can save and get our hands on, let's all just throw it in the shoebox, see how much money we can put together. We'll start learning about investing, and then we'll take our money that we pulled together and we'll start investing it in stocks and see how we do, see if we make any money, and we'll just start building our assets now. And so we're 17, 18 years old, don't know anything about finance or the stock market. And, but we're trying to learn it and we're, we started the concept of frugality, just like every dollar I can get my hand on, how much of it can I keep at the end of the month? And so we're throwing it in this shoebox, and we're starting to build up some money and working with it in the market. And that's when it all just kind of, it just piqued my interest a lot. So I just went really deep into it and kept studying it, learning from other people's work and trying to just build knowledge in general. And I probably just annoyed the hell out of my brother and my friend because I would just constantly text them articles <laughs> I read or stuff I learned and just say, hey, I just learned this, this or that. And <laughs> I think I think we should start doing this. And I'm sending them super long books, paragraph texts of like, I just learned this. We should do this, that. And it just kind of the rest is history kind of from there. I just have never lost interest in personal finance and investing in general. 
So I go along from there and my friend, by my freshman year of college, I kind of knew I wanted to manage money for other people. I knew I'd get a lot of enjoyment and fulfillment out of helping people make money and making money for them if it was for their long-term benefit. So I knew by that point, that's what I was going to do. So in college, I just kept studying, kept learning from other people's work. And I, I had some money saved up at that point. So I started really practicing with my own money, mm-hmm. making some mistakes along the way, learned a lot that way, but I had some success too. So I knew, you know, maybe this could work because I'm having a little bit of success. So I just kept working on it through college. And by my junior year of college, another friend came up to me, which was my first client and asked, you know, I've got some money saved up that was supposed to get me through college and I'm not going to need it all. So will you invest this for me and manage this for me? And that's kind of a question I had been waiting for someone to ask me for a while because I knew I wanted to try it, Mm -hmm. but I knew I had to take it very seriously because if you don't do good for your first client, you're kind of already on the outs Mm -hmm. and people are going to say, you know, (laughs) don't freaking trust Bryce, dude. (laughs) Yeah. You're not doing very good, but it's gone much better than I would have guessed from the start with my first client. So Mm -hmm. that was junior year of college and then senior year, some more people came up to me and then I was starting to get to the limit of people you can work with without being registered. Mm -hmm. So my last semester of college during football season, I studied and took my exam with the state to make it all official. And then by April of last year, 2020, officially got registered through the state. And, you know, at that time was the middle of coronavirus lockdown and the stock market was down 30%. So I was like, mm-hmm. holy cow, the market is in a terrible spot. Um, I'm starting super small, but I love it. And am I sure I want to go the independent route or should I talk with a company about bringing some of my clients in hmm. and see what they can offer? And that right there is when I had the conversation with a manager at the company I was talking with about, we don't work with younger people that don't have money because we can't make money off that. So right then and there, I kind of made my decision. I think I can make this work on my own. It'll just take a few years to scale up. But I think if I do a good job for people, you know, act with integrity, and I know these people trust me, I think I'll make it work. So I went that route. Uh, I'm growing quicker than I expected. And I think in a, in a year or two, I should be at a spot where, you know, it's a full-time gig. I'm, I can make enough money. I love it. And I can spend all my time on it if I want to. That is awesome, man. I love that you turned down a, a bigger firm because they wouldn't help uh, younger kids, maybe with less money. Something I've heard, and I'm going to go to something after this, but something that I've heard about going to an independent person like yourself versus a firm is that those firms can be owned by a big bank, an insurance corporation, or a bigger uh, financial firm of some sort. And therefore, their hired advisors might be incentivized to invest their clients' money in a way that actually benefits the the big bank, the governing body, the owners of them, rather than benefiting the client themselves. Whereas for you, your gains are going to come from maximally benefiting your client, right? So is that a reason why people should probably go to independent people like yourself? 
That's definitely a reason I chose the independent route because I don't want to be at a company and try to sell people something that I don't personally believe in Mm -hmm. just to make me money and the company money. Just like you said, you're exactly right that some of these bigger firms, banks, or just affiliates of banks where they're doing the investment advising, you know, they're putting money, their clients money into their company's own products even if it might not be in the best interest, like you said, and there's a lot of fees associated with that. There's a lot of just, you know, flipping clients money around, moving it around a lot of, they call it churn in the industry. And it generates a lot of fees, just moving people's money around without actually, without an actual goal of, is this the best interest for the client to maximize their money for the long term? So that's definitely a top uh, point that I thought of when I said, am I going to be able to sit at a company and sell people stuff that I actually don't think is good for their money? Whereas if I do this on my own, I've got freedom to go wherever I want and put their money wherever I think it is best. And I'm doing the same thing with my own money. So it makes so much more sense to me, for me, for other people to do it that way. And it's, it's cheaper too. My fees are pretty competitive on probably the lower end of what you can find for asset management that I do. So I do think that for people that want full, want transparency, that the person is working in their best interest, I do think working with someone that's independent probably is a better route for them. Just the, tra- the transparency part, I think is a big deal that I try to communicate with people. Mm-hmm. And I hope people come to you now while you're still smaller and because you're obviously very knowledgeable, your track record's good, your numbers are good. I hope they come to you now while you're not charging so much because here in a few years, you're going to start charging your worth and then people, you know, so if you're watching well, this, what do you think? I don't think, I don't really think I'm actually at a point where the speed that you can kind of grow this business, if you're doing a good job people trust you and they're giving you more money, you're getting more clients. Mm -hmm. It grows at a speed where I wouldn't need to be in a position to say, hey, I'm doing a great job. I'm going to raise my price and charge you guys some more. If everybody's happy and we're just doing a good job and I'm making plenty of money for something that I love that I'm doing, there's a point down the road where it's big enough to where I could actually probably lower that fee a bit. I'm not saying telling everybody that's what I'm going to do because that's far (laughs) off in the future. And I've got to grow the business first to get there, but I'm competitive now and I could grow it to the point where it would almost be probably silly for me to charge more on people because I'm already in a great position (laughs) because I already love it and it grows so quickly that that's plenty for me. You're wholesome through and through, Bryce. That is awesome. I feel like a greedy schmuck now that I said that. <laughs> now, well, now, then reasonable. you got to start rising your prices and stuff. That's, <laughs> that's funny. Good on you for that. And I just want to talk about a little bit your friends. You said that this started with your friends putting money in a shoebox. Your friends, I think, are ex- extremely unique because me and my friends, we our friends groups, we have a few common people that hang out with each other. Um, Corbin Roberts, I mean, he knows you guys very well and your friend, Eli, you guys were acting like finance gurus and you guys were getting involved in some big business stuff at a very young age. It's pretty extraordinary. You don't see that with people 
who were at 19, 20, and 21. So we heard stories about you guys doing this, investing your money, doing smart people stuff. And we were like, crap, what are we doing? All we're doing is like going out and having drinks on the weekends. And That's so what we, I should have probably been doing, like I said. No, like, <laughs> in moderation, yeah. I suppose. But uh, yeah, and we started, we were like, okay, they're investing their money. We literally got a can or uh just some kind of cup. And we would put all our spare change in that for the month, me and my roommates, Josh, Kyle, Corbin, and we would put money in there. And at the end of the month, we'd go to a coin star and we'd go out to eat. And it was fun. We were like, dang, this is pretty awesome. We barely, this money would have gone somewhere else. that was really dumb and unrewarding, but instead we had mm-hmm. saved it. Granted, we spent it at the end of the month, but it was still fun. It was still rewarding. And it was literally inspired by you and your friends and really i didn't i haven't heard of that one yep never told you <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you and eli also not to go too far off track don't you guys aren't you part owners of an apartment complex that you've had for yep. a few years now yeah eli and my brother and i uh we kind of had a phase as well where we were really interested in real estate this was kind of a period where i was like you know i love this investing stuff I want to manage money for other people, but I didn't really know what avenue that was going to come through. So we thought maybe, you know, maybe that's real estate. So maybe we should give that a try, see how that goes, because that's a lot different than stocks. You know, stocks are a lot of it's on the computer these days. It's not a physical thing you can touch. Whereas, you know, real estate, these are buildings. These are people, tenants. It's a lot different. It's hands on, Mm -hmm. totally different method of investing. So yeah, we gave that a try, um, had to take a unique route with it because, you know, we were young, didn't have established credit, didn't have a lot of income. So we couldn't work with a bank to get it done. We couldn't just buy an entire building. Mm-hmm. So we actually would write up letters to sellers. My brother was really good at, you can go online and see who owns buildings around town. It's on the county website. So we would write up letters to all these sellers saying, if any, if you are interested in selling your rental property, please reach us at XYZ phone number or whatever. Sent out letters to probably, I was probably mailing out five to 10 of these every day. I'd write them at night and go mail them out the next morning. And my brother was doing it too. And we probably sent letters to 100 to 200 people around Bloomington Normal just trying to get somebody to talk with us. And we ended up finding a seller that they owned their rental property in full. So they didn't have any debt or a mortgage on the building or anything like that. And they actually worked with us to allow us to become the owners. And they acted as the bank because we couldn't work with the bank. We weren't able to get a mortgage at that age with that income, that credit. And the seller said, you know, I like you guys, you're, enterprising entrepreneurial um we can work out a deal to where you'll pay us back over time you'll make monthly payments to us from the rent that the property brings in and we kind of worked our way into it that way took a lot of time and effort but you know we learned a ton in that process and yeah so we're still doing that together have a partnership not trying to expand it really but it's gone pretty well and we've learned all kinds of stuff 
Man, that's incredible. Just the fact that you're doing that at such a young age is astonishing. Some of the more, some of the older people that are going to watch this are probably going to be like thinking about what they did when they were 20 years old and it ain't that. So that's That's, pretty cool. That's the kind of thing that I'm trying to help more people with just to grasp their head around, you know, there are ways, a lot of people just don't believe it, but there are ways, you know, with hard work, effort, a little frugality and just understanding different paths you can go, you know, there's a shot for everybody to start building their retirement assets now, and you can make a lot of progress in your twenties. That makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to your individual day-to-day life, your, I guess maybe your monthly life or something, do you have any financial habits that you implement in your own life that really serve your wallet well? Whether that's when you make a little money with this, or you have a little left over here, you do X, Y, Z with it. Are there any habits like that that you have? Um, one habit that I've really been trying to push onto my clients now is every time you come into some extra money, like just unexpected money, say your graduation and grandma sends you 200 bucks a check in a card to you for graduation or your birthday comes around and people that don't know what gift to get you will just give you $20 bills or $50 Mm -hmm. bills, that kind of stuff. It's that extra unexpected money that you don't really need to pay your day-to-day bills and get through your life. That's, that's the money that I personally have always said since the last five years. Every bit of that dollar, I'm going to earmark that and put that into my investments, deposit that right into my retirement account, because I know that money is going to be worth a lot more down the road. So it's that extra money, that that unexpected money that you didn't expect to get, I think is the easiest money to save. So do you have a certain formula uh, when it comes to picking how to choose a stock and which stocks, which companies you choose to invest in? Are there certain traits that you look for or how do you make those decisions? Yep. So there's a lot of different ways people make money in this. And I respect all different ways because some people are good at some things, some aren't as good at other things. But I think the best way is just like a traditional fundamental approach to researching a business and a company, trying to understand how they make money what products they offer, why do customers like their products, and you know why are customers willing to pay a price they're willing to pay. And I always go back to the example of Apple, just because you look at iPhones and there are a lot of smartphone alternatives that you know Samsung offers, Android phones, Google phones, that you know they have the exact same features as an iPhone, but why are people willing to pay a thousand, eleven hundred, twelve hundred dollars for the new iPhone almost every year. It's because that company has brand power. They have a marketing power. People love what their brand stands for. They love the design of the products. Oh yeah. They've got a, they've got a design advantage. So it's really fundamental understanding a company like in that way and trying to get an idea in five or ten or twenty years. What's this company going to look like? Are they still going to be around? Are their competitive advantages still going to be there? Like, if you had to guess, do you think Apple's brand and people will still be buying the iPhone? Do you think that'll be the case in 10 years? It'll be pretty similar to today. I agree. So that's something that 
as an investor, you can look at and say, there's a different level of certainty with Apple as a company, and they're making a ton of money off everything they're doing right now. And they're still growing pretty quickly. So it's, I, I spend a lot of time doing research to identify companies like that, where you can kind of grasp an understanding of their business. And I see it every day around me. All my friends have iPhones. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said about the blue eye messages. And when you yep. get, if you get green Android messages, it's like there's something off. It's yes. Like level, <laughs> it, it's like a level of trust yeah. with the blue eye, eye messages. So that's that's something to be said about Apple's brand. And it might sound silly, but as an investor, that is a legitimate thing to look at for what a company might be worth, how to value the company. And that's where I go. And I go from there to the stock and saying, you know, this is where the stock is priced at today. Mm-hmm. Is that a fair representation of what, where Apple might be in five or 10 years? Sure. So, you know, I could go into it a lot more and get really complicated with it, but put simply, it's just trying, I try to identify businesses that I can understand. I can try to value them based on, you know, how much profit they're making and what that company might be worth in five or 10 years mm-hmm. based on the facts today. And I'm glad you kind of talked about Apple because that's one business I know a relatively decent amount about. I read the entire Steve Jobs biography. I have a bunch of Apple products. I'm not an Apple fanboy. I'm not just like Apple till the day I die. I am a Steve Jobs fan. I think that the foundation that he laid for Apple is just incredible. And I hope that Apple can continue to run with that. But yeah, like culturally, socially, Apple is supreme, no doubt about it. They they must have marketing geniuses behind them because the fact that they made Android messages come in green, you're right. It's like, oh man, I've seen memes about it like crazy. Where yeah. It's like you you finally get the girl's number, she messages you and it's a green text and it's like, oh yeah. man. It's, it's crazy how much it has become a societal, like you said, cultural mm-hmm. thing, but that just shows you how long Apple might be around in our lives. Yeah. And the fact that people are paying 1200 for the new iPhone, they're probably going to make a lot of money in the future still. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I kind of support them. I'm like, keep being a powerhouse in this industry because after reading the Steve Jobs book, it's like all the tiny little details about your phone that you wouldn't notice. Like they, it makes me respect iPhones a lot more. It's like, good luck taking an iPhone apart because there's no screws in that thing. Everything is sleek, engineered with precision in mind and beauty, like Zen beauty. It's so cool. And you're right. The interfaces or other phones by Samsung, these Android phones and Android products, they're, I mean, they can do everything that an Apple phone and Apple products can do. They just don't do it quite as beautifully or as satisfyingly or something along right, those lines. Exactly. There's definitely a design difference. And it's just the integration of the beautiful hardware and the really reliable software of what you actually do on the phone. The combination of those, it's extremely sticky and people yes. just really can't get away from it. Yeah, exactly. So when it comes to the stock market, you watch this stuff like a hawk. If anyone follows your Twitter feed, they see how interested you are in this and you give great advice. And also on your, you have a website. Uh, it, it's called BD, what's it called? It's, uh, I, th- 
think it's just BD Capital and it's a WordPress kind of like a blog site. Yes. I really need to, I'm probably going to work on it this summer. I really need to develop out a more thorough website that uh -huh. kind of details some of the stuff we've been talking about, just about what I offer. But, you know, I'm still working every day on what I actually offer mm -hmm. and just tailoring it to what I see of what people need. I've yes. really just recently kind of taken the idea of, you know, these 23 year olds don't sit down with a financial advisor once they start their new job mm -hmm. and they're just kind of going blind with what they need to do with their money. So I've just recently kind of ran with that idea as I can really help people there start there and then build a solid long-term relationship with their asset management from there. So mm -hmm. I'll get around to making a more thorough website, but yeah, like you said, I do have a blog where I've posted a lot of company research that I've posted out on Facebook over the years just yeah. to try to get a little bit of exposure. But yeah, the website's actually the website's actually called BD Capital One Number One dot WordPress dot com. So yeah, eventually once this thing gets rolling a little more, I'm sure it'll come down to like just bdcapital.com or something. But right, yep. the content and the quality of the website are are very good. I, w I was reading it last night. I was reading pages of what you had. And the stuff you're saying is eloquently written. It's very informative. And really what it is, is it's your opinions on the stock market, on different companies, where maybe you could consider investing, where you might want to drop out of and stuff. So it's very obvious that you watch this stuff like a hawk, like I said. So I want to ask... What's maybe one company that we should watch to look for it to to rise in the near future, or maybe some industries that we think will go that you think will go down in the near future? Just some a little advice for us that are putting some money in stock in the stock market using apps like Robinhood. What can we watch to do some moving here in the near future? Yep. So yeah, so kind of like I detailed before, everything I do is long-term oriented. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people I know that use Robinhood that are into a lot of the more short-term stuff with cryptocurrency and all that. So I just yeah. want to say upfront disclosure, like anything I recommend, I can't guarantee you that you're going to do well unless you're planning to hold on to that for several years, probably. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, that question would be a lot easier to answer a year ago or six months ago because in general, the stock market has gone up a lot in the past year. It's done very well. So it's harder for me to identify stuff that I think looks like a good deal because, you know, the idea is to buy stuff when it's low, when it's cheap. That's how you're going to get gains going back up. Mm. Um, but there's a couple things, you know, that I think look decent today. Uh, one of them is Berkshire Hathaway. That's a huge company that Warren Buffett runs. Warren Buffett's worth $100 billion. Most people have heard of him. He's kind of a legendary investor, guy that I've learned a lot of stuff from. Um, that's a really high quality company. It's one of the safest companies, safest stocks you can invest in. Mm -hmm. And I think they've got a really good future. They're doing the right things at the company. And I think it'll grow for a long time to come. And so that stock ticker is BRKB. If you were to look it up for something to buy, it's at 290 bucks a share. And, you know, you're not going to get rich off it anytime soon, but I do think it would do very well for somebody that just wants long-term steady growth. And it's the type of asset that 
probably the number one asset that I would recommend as a retirement asset that is safe. Hmm. Interesting. And in, in what industry or company could you comes to mind when I ask what's something that we should maybe avoid that might be on its way out? Well, that's that's tough, but you know, a lot of people would probably say just be careful with real estate and retail with everything going on in the world. Hmm. It's kind of yet to be seen how much of this digital shift from coronavirus lockdown and all that is going to stick, the work from home. I'm guessing a lot of it's probably going to stick. And that's another reason you go back to Apple. That's a huge tailwind for them. Mm-hmm. Everybody's on their computers and phones all day long now. But yeah, got to be careful with retail, uh, restaurants, kind of all the stuff that we did before COVID, but now we don't do so much. You just kind of wonder how much of that's going to come back after, after it's all said and done and travel related stuff airlines, that kind of thing. It's going to be interesting. A lot of uncertainty though. In general, you want to try to avoid uncertainty when you're investing. Mm -hmm. Well, Bryce, I can't have this conversation with you without at least mentioning cryptocurrency. I have yet to figure out your thoughts on that, but cryptocurrency is, I mean, it's all the rage right now. This week, uh, I'll probably post this video in a few days. It's May 20th now. And this week, Bitcoin cryptocurrency has taken a wild dive, but it's still a fascinating form of currency nonetheless, because I mean, it's completely digital. Uh, There's no central authority or governing body. It's nearly globally accepted. Uh, So it could be the currency of the future, which is cool. But and there also is a finite amount of it to be mined. So that kind of protects from inflation and in other things, I mean, you could maybe assume that its value will continue to go up since there's a finite amount of it. You can't print more of it. Anyways, I just want to get your thoughts on Bitcoin because it is highly volatile. Um, would you ever invest any of your clients' money in that? Um, one, no, I could probably never invest their clients' money unless there was a big change just because, mm-hmm. well, I'll get into that. But if you ask my friends, if you should ask me about cryptocurrency, they'd probably say no, because a lot of people ask about it and it's not really something I can get into not to be, I mean, it's a great question and not to just give you a shallow answer, but um, it's so such a new thing and it's so uncertain about where that's going to go. I'm sure cryptocurrency will have some role in the future and it's mm-hmm. going to work out in some way or have some form of value for people but in terms of an investment asset um it's very hard to determine what is the value of bitcoin one with how volatile it is and you know just rapid swings week by week day by day it's down i think 50 percent from its high just a few weeks ago maybe a month ago um so in terms of it being a medium of exchange of people say, you know, Bitcoin is going to replace the US dollar as what we all use to transact. Well, it's going to take some, something's going to need to happen for it to just relax a bit, become steady, because how are you going to pay for stuff with something that's worth 50% less three weeks later? What if, what if you needed to go and buy coffee with your, usually you'd use your US dollars now you're trying to use Bitcoin 
And now today it buys 50% less coffee than it did Yeah, like three weeks ago. So in terms of it being a, a widely adopted medium of exchange like the U.S. dollar is, I think it's going to really have to become a lot more steady before yeah. that happens. But other than that, you know, I don't try to act like I know everything about everything. That's something where I would say there are people a lot smarter than me that know a lot more about cryptocurrency. And in general, I just try to stay away from it, to be honest, because I can't mm -hmm. put people's I can't put people's money in. it. Right. You don't have any money in uh, Dogecoin then or anything? I've actually never bought a single share or put a single dime into any cryptocurrency. Oh, wow. Well, interesting. Yeah. And would you advise people to kind of stay away from at least Dogecoin? I'm sure you yeah, know about fact, Dogecoin and stuff. Yeah, the fact that it was created as a joke kind yeah. of makes it, you know, you just got to kind of identify a difference between gambling and investing. You know, if you want to go to the casino and gamble some money and hope you hit it big, there's nothing wrong with that. I just hope people understand that that's kind of what they're doing when they're buying a cryptocurrency that was created as a joke and hoping to make it make it rich off that. You're pretty much just either betting on sports or going to the casino. It's very similar. Yeah. Well, Bryce, we're about ready to wrap this conversation up. It's been extremely informative. I've enjoyed it a lot. You're a great guest. Uh, but before we go, what's kind of what's next for you? You're a busy man. You have the the real estate, that apartment complex that you're working with. I don't know if you're still working with the vending machines, but if you are, that's another thing. And then you're doing this uh, BD Capital investing or investment, personal financial advising. Jeez, I botched that. But you know what no, you're, you're doing. Good. Everyone knows what they're doing. you're doing. What's next for you? Are you just going to keep doing this stuff or, or what? I'll let you answer. Yep. So I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm scaling this up a little bit. You know, a year ago, I wasn't quite there to where I've got to make money too to pay bills and all that. So, you know, I'm kind of doing the investment advising and I was doing that along with our real estate stuff. I'm pretty hands-on with that, managing some things just to save some money doing it, you know, managing it myself. And, you know, we did the vending machine business too. My brother helps me with that now. But we're kind of, I'm getting to the point where I've got my base built up with this advising business to where I need to start kind of phasing out all of my little side hustles and really just focus on this and make it work. Because yeah. like I said, it grows pretty quickly. I think I need probably two more years of good work and just focusing on it to where, you know, I could cut off everything else I'm doing and be just fine sticking 100% with the advising. So mm -hmm. right now I'm kind of looking at phasing out those other things I'm doing and just kind of going all in on it. Yeah, putting all your eggs in one basket. Yep, that's, that's right. awesome, man. Well, I look forward to seeing what you do in the future. You're the type of guy that I'm, I feel safe in saying the sky's the limit. You're probably gonna do and, and succeed at whatever level you choose to. Um, Thank Thanks you. A lot. And I, yeah, I appreciate it a lot having me on the show. Um, it's a really awesome show. And really, you, I think of you as a super enter enterprising guy, entrepreneurial. And 
you know, I was, I was curious about asking you a question, what all other stuff you have going on? Cause I know you're never just doing one thing. <laughs> well, thank you, Bryce. First of all, right now I'm just doing the show. I am focusing on getting advertisers and focusing on enhancing my, my interviewing skills and stuff. I'm moving into an apartment here in just a couple of weeks. Thanks because the show's done relatively well. People are businesses pay me to do some advertising on the show. Thank you so much those businesses that are doing it, those sponsors. And it's allowed me to move into an apartment and set up an actual studio so I don't have to keep chasing people around and doing interviews at their homes and stuff. They can come to me in a nice place with a nice setup and we can start pumping out more episodes. And in addition to that, I'm also the assistant wrestling coach here at Prairie Central, which is just a dream come true. I freaking love yeah. that. And uh, yeah, yeah. That that's pretty much it. I'm not used to being that's asked awesome. questions like that, so they caught me awesome. off guard. Well, well, this has felt very professional, and I'm definitely impressed with the questions and the approach. It feels like I listen to a lot of podcasts just on investing to learn stuff, and it feels very similar to a lot of the big podcasts I've listened to. So I think you're definitely on the right track. You are the man. I appreciate the compliment a lot. Thanks so much for coming on to the show today, Bryce. It was a pleasure to have you. Appreciate you having me. It was a lot of fun. Right on. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Paul Garcia Show. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe on YouTube or like us on Facebook. If you would like to contribute to the production of this show financially, you can do so by becoming a patron on patreon.com forward slash Paul Garcia or by donating on Venmo to The Paul Garcia Show. Until next Sunday, I'm Paul Garcia. Thanks for listening to The Paul Garcia Show. God bless and have a great week.